not only for us in this building this morning, but for every predestinated seed, wherever they are around the world. This is a God rich in mercy and grace. Amen. A God that under, understands human needs. No matter how far you stray, He's here to bring you back home. Amen. Here's your homeland. Right here. It's the Word of God. I believe there's a people being gathered back there. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together and go to the Lord in prayer right now. I just wonder if you would just pray and say, Lord, gather me back. Gather me to that land, Lord. Gather me, Lord. Let me find my position in you. Amen. Father, we're your children today and we have gathered together in your name. We want to just express our love and appreciation to you because you're God. Lord, we sang the songs of Zion. We sang, we sang songs, Lord, of desiring to be closer to you, to move another realm higher. Lord, we've sang the songs saying you'll do it again. Lord, hear this song that just so pulls at my heartstrings. Lord, as I many times sing it in the night and up through the day, you're gathering the people back. We've come here to see the Messiah. We've come here to see the Redeemer. We've come to this homeland to see the resurrection of the dead of all the ages. You'll gather us all back home, Lord. We look at Israel. You've gathered them. They're only waiting for us to get out of the way so that you can reveal yourself to your people there. I pray, Lord, you'll bless Jerusalem today, Israel. Lord, that you'll anoint them on high. But Lord, first and foremost, anoint this bride with the word so that we'll be prepared as a bride adorned for her husband to leave from this world caught away. There is nothing on earth that can take us away after you gathered us under your wings to gather your children today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Have the privilege of serving God together. Amen. Good to have each one of you that are here assembled with us. Those who have already been given greetings, we want you to feel welcome here today and, and, uh, and just believe that God will speak to you in a very special way. We have uh, Brother E.J. Parker here that's been coming to church for some services, and today he wants to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, that's what we must do. It's a part of salvation and begins with repentance. And if, if true repentance is followed then by water baptism in his name, we believe you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But that promises us and our children and to them that are far off. Amen. And I'll just tell you, you can expect your children 
Amen. Those that have strayed away, you can expect them to come back home. Amen. He'll gather them under his wings. Amen. Your loved ones, just expect it. This is what we should expect. Today, I've got a little um, something I had Brother Michael to do for me. And uh, this has to do with our scripture reading this morning. And uh, it's not exactly the total portrayal as I'd like to have had it, but it's the best I could come up with. But nevertheless, it's, um, it just shows you a highway. And in the center is the way. And we are not looking at this as a two-way highway coming and going. Although, you know, the ladder that Jacob saw, he saw angels ascending and descending. But on this, on this highway, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And it's a one-way street. Amen. And so here we are um, gathered this morning and we have a highway and a way, the scripture will say, and we're going to read that here in a moment from Isaiah 35. Before we do, I I want us to sing an old song, it's a highway to heaven, none can walk up there but the pure in heart, it's the highway to heaven, I'm walking up the king's highway. How many will take a walk with me? Amen. God bless you, Brother Kirkman. Good to have you this morning. God bless you. Welcome home. Well, it's the highway to heaven, and none can walk up there but the pure in heart.
walking up that king's highway well if you're not there i'll tell you it's the only way to walk amen god bless you good to be together today turn it with me to isaiah chapter 35 and verse 1 we're going to read the scripture together this morning before you're seated as we stand in honor to the word isaiah 35 We'll read from the first verse down through about, um, oh, we're going to go down to about the 10th verse, so let's read this together. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and, and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God, with a recompense, he will come and save you. And the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the dead, deaf shall be unstopped. And then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the deserts. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitations of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with weeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though fools, shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What a promise. What a word of consolation this morning. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to be speaking today on the highway and the way. And as we go along, this will, I'm sure, become more clear to you what we mean by the highway and the way. Brother Branham would tell a story in the message, It is the Rising of the Sun. He would tell of an experience um, by the way of a dream that his mother had. And she dreamed that Brother Branham was standing by the side of three steps. And um, he was preaching to everyone that they must walk up these three steps before they hit the highway. And on the highway is a little pearly white line that runs straight to the doors of heaven to the pearly gate. And, the, and that pearl had been stretched out to the top of these steps. And he said, if that's not my message of exactly today of justification and sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I was saying that a person has to come by these three steps to be able to walk that highway. 
Now, there was a lady come by, you know, what kind of shoes people had on 35 years ago. And of course, now this was 65, 1965 when he says that, so 35 years before this. And um, there was a lady came by that had a great big pair, um, like to wear today, of spike heel shoes. And she came by and said, I said, wait a minute, sister, you can't walk that highway with that. Said, you can't do that. And she turned, her, she turned and said, ah, and looked around the rest of the women and said, don't believe him. He's a madman. Don't believe him. I'll show you. I can be justified, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and still walk that. And he said, I just let her go. I couldn't do no more about it. Couldn't stop her. And she jumped up on the highway. And she looked back at the sisters and said, I, I see, I told you so. And she started to run. And he said that she ran like described in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, you know, like they would with outstretched necks, you know, because they have to, because they're pitched over in those spike-heeled shoes. And they'd have to twist, mincing as they go, and making a tinkling with their heels, the daughters of Zion in the last day. And she started up that highway just as hard as she could run. And, and after a while, the road got narrow and narrower, and she started reeling, mincing like that, and off she went. And, um, and in the dream, his mother said, I heard the, the harmless screams I ever heard in my life was that woman falling into those flames and smoke, going down like that. And I turned around and I said, see, she just obeyed every word, but everything but one word, everything but one word. And then he goes on to remark, Pentecostal women can be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then fail. Absolutely. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. And she failed it. And as I said, she would have went, would have went on, all right, but she failed to listen, telling her what was ahead. He wrote the gospel by the disciples, apostles, the doctrine of the apostles and prophets and so forth, and they won't listen. So, you know, this shows you that you can jump on this highway. And if there's no true anchor within the soul that causes you to want to, to keep the word of God and keep the way of holiness, that you're, you're going to wreck up somewhere. Because if you look on this highway right here, it's, it's over here on the edges on either side where that you can fall away. God made a way. But it is on the side of the road, on, on the getting to the extreme one way or the other, losing your balance that will cause you to fall off and, and lose the, the, the victory that you started out with. You see, you're going to wreck up somewhere because there's nothing in the control tower of the soul that keeps you from going to the extreme. To the right or to the left. It's got to be a balanced walk. And um, so, so don't try to walk this highway without the seal of God. Now this is very important for you to understand. You know, you, in order to walk this highway, you've got to have the seal of God. You can have experiences of justification, sanctification, and even baptisms of the Spirit. But if you don't have something that will cause you to keep the word of God and live true to the word, you're going to fall off somewhere when the road gets narrow. Amen. Now, 
um, again, if you if you're truly filled with the Holy Ghost and sealed to the day of redemption, you're never going to fall off this highway. So let's get that straight as we go, because you know it's it's not our, our, it's not that our salvation is not secure. Our salvation is secure, and then we're sealed to the day of redemption. But if you don't go into it right and get on this highway and go to running, you're going to go to the extreme one way or the other. Now, this is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, Brother Brandon would talk about his own ministry, and he says about his own self, he said, I am not a legalistic, neither am I an Armenian or a Calvinist. And, and he said, I believe that each one had a doctrine, and one of them was, was, was legalism, and the other was extreme grace. But he said they run off on the deep side of it. They, they just stayed with that and didn't balance the thing up. There's a highway and a way, and the way is the road. A highway has a post way over here and a post way over there, but in the middle of this highway comes the road. And you can be, you can be in a highway and be in a gutter. Now, you just envision our highways today, and, and um, you know, there the highway has a gutter on this side and a gutter on that side. All of this is in the right-of-way of the highway. And here is where you see the wrecks along the side of the road. How many crosses do you see and memorials with people's names on it that are on the side of the road where people left the road? Amen. They left the road and they wrecked up somewhere because they went on this side or that side. They didn't stay in the road. Now, remember, in this road, there's no way you can wreck if you stay in the middle of the road because it's a one-way street. Amen? Now, um, so it's it's a highway and a way. And there's a conjunction which brings a highway down to a way. And, and, and here's where your travel is in the way. That's where the smooth running is. You remember they call it the way in the Bible? All that was found in this way is called a way. Now, Brother Branham would also speak of this in the Hebrew book. And, and uh, he would sh- share about the Nazarene people. And the Nazarenes predated the Pentecostal move. And they were holiness people. And he said, the Lord blessed those dear people. Old-fashioned, sanctified Methodists is what they were. And uh, the Church of God and Nazarene and Pilgrim Holiness and many of the good old holiness churches. And they used to sing a song, I'm, I'm walking in the grand old highway, telling everywhere that I go, I'd rather be an old-time Christian, Lord, than anything that I know. And so he says, um, they talk about the highway of holiness. But he says, there's a highway and a way. It's not just good enough to get on the highway. You must stay in the way or in the middle of the road. This is called the way of holiness. And, and so it's, it's the road is, he said, the way of the road is in the middle of the road. It's built like this so the waters will wash off the trash to both sides, keeping the road clean. You don't have puddles standing in your road all the time, or you will have if it isn't built right. The way is the middle of the road. On this side, when people get converted, now listen closely, their minds are set right on Christ. So now you're aiming right straight toward Christ. And, and if they're just a little scholarly and they don't keep under prayer, they'll get real cold and starch 
and stiff and starchy and indifferent. So here we got one extreme over here on this side. And this causes some direct. Amen. Because they get just, you know, they get educated in the message. They become scholarly and stiff and cold and starchy and indifferent. Now, this is real important that you understand. They get indifferent because there's no burden for the lost soul. Amen. It just becomes about us four and no more. It just becomes, a, a, you know, a very narrow-minded uh, me and us, and that's all that's going to make it. And so there's no, there's no concern for anybody else. Amen. There, there, there is no fellowship with anybody else. It's just us. You know, we, we're, we're on this highway, and they, and they get cold, stiff, starchy, and indifferent. And then if they're just a little nervous, he says, if you don't watch, they go to the other side, which he calls the radical and wild on this side, and they go into sensations and everything else. And, and so he says, so here again, we have another side of the road, and the other side of the road is, is radical and, and wild, nervous, you know, again, um, uh, sensations, little feelings, uh, becoming real spiritual, where that nothing, nobody can tell you anything. You don't have to go to church. You don't, you don't have to be subject to anything because you're so spiritual. You're so radical. You're having your own little visions and dreams, and God's talking to you, you know, as if you're the only one in the world. And, and so, you know, and whatever you get becomes um, the absolute instead of the Word of God. And so you have this radical side on the other side. We both, so we've seen them all. And then we've seen them where they're radical. And we've seen them where that they are scholarly and indifferent and cold. Amen. There's two sides of it. But the real church. How many wants to be a real church? The real church is a real sane gospel right down the middle of the road. It's not cold and starchy, neither is it fanaticism. It's a real good old warm gospel, heartfelt love of God going right down the middle of the road, calling from both sides. In other words, calling those that are fanatical, you know, come on, come on in, get here in the center. Calling those that are scholarly and and cold and indifferent and, and lukewarm, get over here, get in the center. You walk in the edge over there, you're going to wreck. He said, well, I've been justified and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but if it doesn't cause you to go go according to the word, you know, you might be on the highway, but you're not going to last long. Now, so again, it's calling them right back to the word. Notice verse 8 again. And a highway shall be there. And a way, and it shall be called the way or the road of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, the one who's the traveling man, the man who's making progression. This road is not to sit still on. Amen. To stay where you have been for the last 20 years. And, uh, you know, sometimes you even hear preachers, well, I preach the same thing I have for 40 years. And I say, well, shame on you. I mean, you ought to progress somewhere. You ought to went a little deeper in Christ. You, you, ought, to, you ought to advance somewhere. 
Amen. And again, you say, well, I'm exactly where I was 20 years ago. Well, shame on you. I mean, you, you, need to be, you need to be traveling down this road. It's for the traveling man. Amen. And, he, and the fools, even though they're simple, in other words, they will not err therein. It's well marked. Amen. It's, it's, it's well marked out for you. Straight as the gate, narrow as the way. And we know few there be that find it, but it's well marked for the believer. All the way. Amen. So now, you know, in, the, in this, in, the, in dealing with this, we, we're living in a time where, you know, there, there's been these two extremes. We have, we have the denominational world that um, some of them were on one side of the cold, starchy uh, formalism of just accept Jesus as your Savior and you're saved. So you got that one side. Then you got the other side that went into fanaticism with sensation all the way to the extremes of not just tongues or speaking in tongues, but blood in the hands and oil in the forehead, even things, in other words, that wasn't scriptural. And depending on chills and certain feelings or, or tongues as an evidence instead of a changed life. What you're wanting to see is a changed life. I don't really care, you know, how it comes to you as long as your life gets changed. I mean, some, some, are, real, some are real vocal and, and they scream out and they shout and, and, and they, um, uh, you know, just are real, real vocal. Others are really quiet and, and their stream runs deep and you don't, you don't hear a, a lot of noise, but you see a life. And that's what we want to see is we want to see a Christian life. Amen. We want to see that instead of, but instead of keeping the balance, man, many has went to the other ditch of, of, and even in the message, you can see it happen, that they go into the ditch of no emotion or no feeling, hardly an amen, and turn the message into cold creeds. Now, like I said, the, the reason why that most of the message people are in that ditch is because Brother Bradham made a correction. Amen. He made a correction because of the extreme fanaticism of the Pentecostal groups that he was working with. He really hammered against the extreme fanaticism. And that, and some jerked so hard, made the correction so hard until you can hardly get an amen in the church. You can, ever, can hardly have any worship in the church. There's no healings. There's no miracles. There's no prayer lines. There's no altar calls. I mean, there, there's no experience with God. It has just been replaced for another cold confession of faith. Now, again, I want, I'm going to share uh, some things about it because here's what he was dealing with. Many of those people join those big classical things just to be popular. They should, they know different. The, the spirit of life that works in the world would tell them that that's different. If they got any spark about them. Then he talks about, they go after these fantastics of frogs jumping, bugs are flying, shaking, jumping, running, everything else. When, when they know that's contrary, but they go with it because it's a sensation. Now, during this era of time, 
Brother Branham was dealing with Pentecostal contemporary ministers who were, who were testifying of having blood in their hands and oil in their uh, foreheads. And they were claiming that this blood that was coming out of the, even some of the women's hands were, were, um, uh, had redemptive qualities. And he says, if this is true, it takes away from the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and makes it unnecessary. So, you know, Brother Branham was coming out very hard against the sensationalism that was going on. He said, I don't care about sensations. I want thus saith the Lord. That's right. What the word says. Now, I believe in, I believe in a heartfelt religion. Now, don't get it wrong. Just because we're coming out against sensations don't mean that we don't believe in a heartfelt religion. Now, I believe in the joy that I can know. Uh, the joy I can know. If I can get to it this morning, I, I want to speak about that from the scripture. You know, the uh, joy that I can know. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in divine healing. I believe in all the manifestations of the gifts, but they must be reverently placed in the Bible body, working exactly in harmony with the Word. So, you know, when Brother Branham was recounting some of the things that had been restored before the opening of the seals, one of them was something that he, as he would, he gave a whole list, some that he got from Schofield and, and from his notes and some that he added, like the truth of serpent seed. And, and then this is another one. I want to bring it to you. And sir, is this the time? He said, the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation, but the person of Christ performing in you the works that he did. So he talked about the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation. Now, you know, once again, as, I, as I've cautioned you, you can't build a doctrine on one quote, nor can you build it on a half a quote. Just like you can't build a doctrine on just one scripture. For example, what if you take Matthew 28, 19 and, and refuse to look at Acts 2, 38? That brings you the uh, uh, understanding and enlightenment of what Jesus said to when he said to be baptized in his name. What if you only take that one scripture? You see, then, then you're baptized in a title and not a name. Right? So again, you can't use one scripture. It must be something from Genesis to Revelation. It cannot be just one scripture. And, and, and the case... Um, uh, also, you, you're going to have to, when you, when you hear something said, don't isolate one little statement and then build a doctrine on it. Right. And then look and see it all the way through the Bible, right. all the way through the message. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, in this case, a doctrine has been built on half of a quote. And that is, again, stressing the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation. Now, sensation means without feeling or without knowing it, without any, um, uh, without any intelligence that anything happened. And so this becomes the idea that we can get the Holy Ghost today and not even know it. 
And that we can have the Holy Ghost and has no feelings with it. Well, you see, you can't run that from Genesis to Revelation. You can't run that even through the message. Amen. But because here's the other half of the quote. Here, I'm going to bring it to you. But the person of Christ. See, not a sensation. Not just a feeling, but the person of Christ. Because, see, you can, have, you can have a feeling and not receive the person of Christ. You can have a sensation or get a vision or have a dream. And, and it even be spiritual. It even come to pass. You can speak in real, genuine, Holy Ghost tongues and still remain unchanged within the soul, having not received the person of Christ. So he said, but the person of Christ performing in you the same works that he did. The same works that he did. Now here's the other half of the quote. You see, and here are some of the works that he did. Amen. Some of the works that he did was holiness. A holy life. Obedience to the word. Amen. Faith, a belief in the word. Healings, miracles, tongues, gifts of the spirit. You know, because, you know, again, we have to match this with the rest of scripture. In my name, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. Amen. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All of these are the works of Christ. So when we have the person in you, he will perform the works of Christ. Not just one work of a healing or a miracle or a sign or a wonder or a tongue or a jump or a dance. But, but all his works. Amen. All his works. So you see, again, um, these, are, these are the things that follow believers. If you really believe, these follow. Now, Brother Branham would talk about this and God hiding himself in simplicity as he approaches the seven seals. And he said, we find out that people get so smart and educated. Now, I want to show you another. Then, so he takes this one side, smart and educated. And he said, and the other goes to the, uh, far to the other side. They become fanatics trying to be religious. Now, we have that group. They go to the other side. Now, he said, that's where I differ with the group of brethren. And he's talking about um, a, a group of people up in Canada that, uh, that they, they just couldn't see the phenomenon of it being done unless they made themselves a group. And what they did is they even just took some words of Brother Branham and, and some even teachings that he did and ran with, with a thought on manifested sons. And they, then, then they were the manifested sons speaking the word. And now they're going to lay hands on different ones and, and give them a ministry. You know, and, and so they, they were prophesying and, and giving ministry. They called themselves a latter rain. And it started out with a, with a genuine move of God. With an outpouring of divine love. And whoa, the, the, the spirit just fell. But instead of staying humble with it, they took it over into fanaticism. And he said, then they condemned the other thing and the, thing, and, and the things, 
and the things till they come plumb on to the other side. So they, they condemn so much the, the, the word and, and knowing the word until they go to the fanatical on the other side. Now he said, so there's one side that is highly intellectual, cold and indifferent, and they deny everything there. And then the other only gets on the other side, and it's a radical bunch of emotion and deny the word. But the real true church, again, who wants to be a real true church, stays right in the middle of the road. Now, so like we said, look on the side of the road. Even look at this example. Where do you go? I mean, if you fall off of this highway, where are you going to go? You're just falling out and, and tumbling over into, into eternity somewhere off of the highway. It's never going to take you anywhere. Radicalism will not do it. Neither will formalism. You've got to stay in the middle of the road. You can't be over here in emotion and deny the word. But you can't get on the other side and it's word, 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 word. And there's no light, no emotion, no power, no, no spirit or nothing else. It's got to stay right in the middle of the road. There's a highway and a way. It isn't good enough to be on the edge. You're going to fall off. You've got to come into balance. And every Christian ought to strive to come into balance in their walk with God. And like I said, look on the side of the road. How many memorials are there with names and flowers? Because people left the road for a ditch. Something knocked them off the road. Again, in the God and simplicity, he said, if you notice, it's got the Bible knowledge of what God said. And it's spiritual enough to be warm in his heart. It's just a road Isaiah said it would be that way. There's a highway and the blessed, uh, precious friends of Nazarene church, a mighty little move of God started up. But what they do when God began to speak in tongues in the church, they were so religiously and so self-starched till they called it the devil. And you see what happened to them. So here again, they're, they're on this road and they're, they get on the road and they get over here too far to, to the left. They get over here in, in self-works, you know, of, of um, well, you can't wear this and you, you can't do this. And they get really over in the extreme of fanaticism and make their religion about what kind of clothes they wear and what kind of things they don't do. And when, when the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues, they went so far, they just jerked the wheel so far away from that until uh, the, the Nazarene church went into backslidden condition to where even they even lost the holiness that they once had because they wouldn't even go on with God. Now, so he, he said again, when, when God began to speak in tongues in the church, they were so religiously and so self-starched that they called it the devil. And see what happened to them then, holier than thou. And, and so we find these things that, that goes to seed and dies right out. Notice they go to seed on there. Rather than staying humble, walking with God, they go into fanaticism or formalism. Now, he said the other side becomes a fanatic. 
and, and the other side becomes cold and starchy. Now, Isaiah said there would be a highway, and the Nazarenes, many of the holiness people, that blessed old highway, glory to God, we're walking the highway. But remember, that wasn't exactly what he said. There's a highway and, and and is a conjunction, and a way. And it shall be called a highway of holiness. It shall not be called a highway of holiness, but the way of holiness. And he said, people try to make themselves holy. And when you do, he says, it's like I said before, it's like a buzzard trying to put dove feathers in him and trying to make a dove out of it. When his nature is still a buzzard. Amen. See, it would be like a crow trying to put pigeon feathers in or peacock saying, see, I'm a beautiful bird. And it's something manufactured. And this is what has happened too often is we, uh, we, we have taken crows and buzzards, people without a real change, taught them how to dress right, do right, come to church even, you know, uh, pay your tithes, be a good person, and yet unchanged on the inside. And he said it's exactly like a crow or a buzzard trying to put in peacock feathers and say, look, I'm a peacock. You see, doing that doesn't change you. But if you are changed, it's going to grow from the inside out. It's not that you won't have the right kind of feathers. It ain't that you won't have dove feathers, or in the case of peacock, peacock feathers. But if it's peacock, it's going to be a peacock from the inside. It's going to be a dove from the inside. And that's the whole idea is not change our outside, but change our inside. Where that things can grow from the inside out. Now that's a mistake we make a lot of times with new Christians. You know, it's kind of like catching fish. You can't clean them till you catch them. Catch them first. Amen. Catch them with the gospel. Bring them in. Get them down to an experience with Christ. And then God will clean them up. Then they'll be humble to the word of God. Amen. Now, but he said a peacock don't have to worry about whether he's going to have peacock or feathers or not. Dove doesn't have to worry whether he's going to have dove feathers or not. As long as his nature is a dove, he will have dove feathers. And the holiness people begin to say, the women must wear long hair and long sleeves and these things, long skirts, and not wear wedding rings and jewelry of any type. And he said it became a self-righteous holiness. See, that's a manufactured holiness. Now, listen, you can, you can quit cutting your hair. And, and even Brother Branham said, don't do it. We're talking about the women now. You can quit cutting your hair. And he said, don't do it because the Bible said not to do it. Or even I said not to do it. But do it because there's a change on the inside of you. You see, and that's the mistake people make. They are trying to live the word without a nature change. And it becomes a self-made, self-righteous holiness. And down the road, they get off. They get into radicalism and, and are somewhere, or formalism, one or the other. And off they go and fall away they do. You see, converts are not one to Christianity by its governments. By its rules and regulations. Amen. We win converts by a, an experience with Christ. 
getting them to know Jesus and then letting Jesus become the Lord of their life. And when he's Lord and ruler, he'll bring everything subject to the word. Amen. But a lot of times we're going to this backwards. He said, look what's happened to the denomination. Now, now, I, now I, know, I know you say, well, now, wait a minute, Brother Tim. Well, then we shouldn't, we shouldn't like our young people, we shouldn't, you know, they're not converted. So just let them, just let them know. You can't do that. You have to tell them what the Word of God said. They know better. You can show them in the Bible. But the law just, and you're striving against the law just means you need Jesus. God took the whole law, thou shalt, thou shalt not, to prove that no man could live right. That he, and the law was given that it might bring them to Christ and make them realize, I need a Savior. I don't need a law. I need a Savior. I can't keep this word. I can't do everything right. It's impossible for me to live right. And so the law, the law reveals to you, I need Jesus. So when we preach about holiness and things like that, what we're really trying to tell you is you need Jesus. And if you get Jesus on the inside, you'll never need another sermon about holiness because that holiness will come naturally from the inside and going outside. Amen. So it's automatically lived. So again, again, you see, um, today there's a lot of manufactured holiness, and 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 it is Phariseeism. Thank you, brother Aaron. It is just Phariseeism, and they could do that so well, but Jesus called them hypocrites. You know what? You know what a hypocrite meant? Actor. That's what they call the stage. The guy, the guys playing the, the on the stage. You know, they call them hypocrites. Are actors. They were pretending to be something they were not in reality. Amen. And that's what a hypocrite is. He's pretending to be something, but he's really not that. And the gospel makes you something real. And the world is not looking for an actor. The world is looking for something that is real. Something that lives, something that works, something that changes life, that'll change your nature and make you a son or daughter of God. Amen. Now, again, you know the mentality of the of the church world today is you just got to sin every every day. You, you, but you see, you don't have to. You do it because you willfully want to. And the reason you willfully want to is because you never died to yourself. And when, you know, when, when you die to yourself, you become a new creature. And, but when you see these other things like the world and cutting hair and painting and come out against the word of God, what does it show? It shows the Holy Ghost isn't there. That's what it reveals. It shows that person needs Jesus. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Amen. Let's just, let's just make it straight. When we need Jesus, amen, that's a good thing to need him. And it's a good thing to find out that you need him before the rapture. Because if you wait down to rapture day and find out you don't have the token, the ticket to go, you're left behind. Now, but God wants his church to, and wants to bring his church to maturity. 
so that they can walk this road right down the middle of the road. Calling from both sides. Now, uh, again, he would, he would, Brother Branham would tell us and what was the Holy Ghost given for. He said, what is the Holy Ghost? It's God in you. What's it for? To continue his work among his people. To bring his church together. To bring a church to a place in this day beyond Lutheran and Methodist and Pentecostal. And to a place to adoption and, and rapture and grace. And when, that, when this part of the church, um, when the Spirit moves in this church here, it'll just raise and it'll bring forth all the redeemed that's been touched by that Spirit. And those Lutherans who stood there with all the light they had and justification and those Methodists that fell on the floor and throwed water in their face from the Spirit striking them through sanctification. Those Pentecostals that walked up and down the streets and they called them tongues demons and jabbers and goose language and all of that. They'll stand in the righteousness in the sight of God at that day just as certain as the Bible stands here. If you believe me to be a servant, you call me as prophet, I don't call myself that. But listen, I'm telling you in the name of the Lord, those that are in Christ, will God bring with him at his coming, at his resurrection, and those, only those that are in Christ. So there's got to come a church to majority. There's got to be a people with balance. Right here at this end time that walks in balance, that are not on the extreme, one way or the other. Are you with me? And that's what God is wanting to adopt is a people, a church that he can cause to raise higher, and in them raising higher, they bring their brethren. I tell you, it's about time there comes a call out of this bride that says to the people before us, raise up. Amen. And they raise up and they say to their brethren, raise up. Amen. Until for seven ages, they all rise. We are in resurrection hour. And there must be a mature church. Amen. Who, are, who is an adopted people. Who, a people who knows their God. A people who does exploits. Are you with me now? Now, this is very important. When God proves, remember, on the individual, when God proves and, and God loves, uh, um, when, a, when a man proves and God loves him and he takes him out somewhere to himself, following the, the Roman custom of adoption, there in the front of angels, he does something for him. He lifts him there in the presence of God. This is what the message is to do for you. It's to lift you up into a realm higher. Amen. It's to advance you on this highway. Amen. It's to bring you into glory. It's not to leave you here at, at ground level. It's to bring you into glory. Amen. And when a people reaches there, they're going to be calling their brethren. There's going to be a resurrection. Are you with me, church? He lifts him. He lifts him up there in the presence of God and gifts him and fills him and sets him out. That's the age we are living in. I want to get it to you. That's the age we're living in. We're living in more than a dip of the spirit or a measure of Christ or a measure of the word. We're in the day and the hour where the fullness has come. The fullness of the word with the fullness of the spirit. 
to bring a church to maturity. Now, again, the same Holy Spirit, he said that saved the Lutheran, sanctified the Methodists, baptized the Pentecostals, is now setting in order the coming of the Lord Jesus. How many believes this? Amen. When it'll be so powerful, that body will come into this group of the church that will draw the rest of them from the grave. There will be a resurrection. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. That's why we have come back to this homeland, back to the Holy Ghost, is so that there can be a resurrection, so there can be a meeting in the air, so there can be a rapture. Amen. Now, the church should be of full age. I was preaching about this last Sunday, and I hope you got it. But in full term, I was using that word, full term. This, the church, now we're coming down to this church, not just this individual church, but the bride worldwide. It must be of full age. Now we're here, I I just want to say, we are here already. We have arrived to the place where that Azusa Street people came 50 years ago. We have now had our 50 years. Amen. We have had, it's, it's Jubilee time. And Brother Branham said, if that child was obedient, then there was a certain day when it become of age. Now, the Pentecostal church ought to be of that age, 40 years old or better or 50. So it should be of age. So he talks about the Pentecostal church. They should be of age. They're about 40 or 50 years of age. Listen, when I started out with the message, 15-year-old boy preacher, man, I, I, I thought this was it. I thought, you know, the rapture should come any moment. I had no idea that, that just by receiving the message that that wasn't what God had in mind. He wanted, he wanted every name that was on the book. And there was more that had to be manifested. There was more that had to come. And we are tearing now. We're, we're coming down. We've been in our jubilee. We're here, we've come our, our 50 years past the opening of the seven seals. We've had our 50 years past 1965. We, we're full age. And God is going to adopt a people. He's going he's gonna to take a people and grant that people. Now, we're not talking about individuals, though that's true with individuals, but I'm talking about the church. He's going to give them a new robe. Come on, he's going to change them. Come on, the redemption of our bodies. Is that right? He's going to give us new bodies. He's going to give us a new robe. Brother Drone driving by your place, watching you rake the leaves. I see, I see Brother Butts out there. It is Brother Butts, but it's, it's Brother Drone Butts. Brother Lovett Butts, we put him away in the grave here some, some years ago. You know, I, and, and, and I see time ticking along. We're moving down. 
We're not, you know, we're not young. We're not young kids anymore. And I want to say about the church now, and, I, and I'm not just even talking about this church, but I'm talking about the bride worldwide. She's not, she's not just a young church no more. She should be a mature church. And so it should be of age. Now, if you come to age and your behavior does not meet the adoption requirements, you don't get the robe. You don't have to be handed the keys. In fact, the matter is you go to tribulation. So either, either we come to maturity or we don't come to maturity. If we come, we go in a rapture. If we don't, we go, we go right on into tribulation because we're at the end. I want to I wanna just quote, do another. Brother Bradham would say, and hear you him, that child did not obey. It was not about father's business. God would raise him up another son. Amen. Couldn't get Luther to maturity. Couldn't get him to go on. God raised up another son. The Methodists. He couldn't get them to go on. God raised up Azusa Street. Another son. He couldn't, you know, they went into extreme. They wouldn't keep a balance. They wouldn't come into maturity. And God raised up another. But after this, they ain't no more. Listen to what he said. He says, that's what he's done to the ages. Raising up a Luther. Raising up a Methodist. Raising up a Nazarene. Raising up a Pilgrim Holiness. Raising up a Pentecost. He will keep on raising and raising and raising until he gets one. But we're out of ages. We're out of messages. We're out of angels. I'm not talking about heavenly angels. I'm talking about the seven angels. We got the last message, the last messenger. There are no more to come. Are you with me? He'll keep raising and raising and raising until he gets one. I hope to see that church. I hope to live to see that church. When she raises in the power and the beauty of the resurrection with the powers of God working through her, signs and wonders following the believers like it did in the New Testament. God in his power and his might. Oh, how wonderful. Now that's the kind of church Brother Branham looked for. And that's the kind of church we must be. And here we are at the end time. And listen, look, look where the world is. The, the world is sitting right in Sodom condition with enough firepower, with enough atomic energy, with enough dynamic power, is somebody with me now, with enough nuclear wealth, enough firepower to burn the whole world and fulfill Malachi 4 that the earth shall burn as another. They are there. Israel is over in their homeland. They are there. I say, bride, where are we to be? Amen. I'm speaking to this church, but I'm also speaking to the world. Where are we to be? What are the church to be? It ought to be a church, a mature church, a people who know their God, a people who have eaten this book, a people who are prophesying again, a people who are going forth in power of the resurrection. And can I just say it? It's happening. It's happening. 
we just we have just seen the very edge of what God is beginning to do. But I say, oh God, don't let some immaturity keep us out of it. But let us be a mature church, an anointed church, an anointed people. Russia says she has the mother of all bombs. The rogue nation, North Korea, has been working quietly and feverishly, now threatens the world. Amen. It's coming. Amen. It's coming. The few fires, the little fires we see in California ain't nothing like what's going to strike the nation. Amen. So it's in this hour and this time when that's there setting ready. Israel's over there setting ready to receive this word. Amen. But now, notice Brother Brandon said, but now when we need it, the Spirit of God raises a standard. And what is he's pouring in his spirit? Then those who are resting out yonder in the grave or under the altar, as the scripture says, crying, how long, Lord, how long, how much longer? God is waiting on me and you. The church is waiting on me and you. Adoption time. When God can pour into us his fullness, his power, his resurrection, that when the church and Christ become so close together till Christ becomes visible among us and raises the dead and we go in the rapture. We should be. Now, now I'm bringing it not just to the church here, but to the to the, to the bride movement worldwide. You say, why would you concern yourself outside of your own church? I'll tell you why. Because even the light tabernacle cannot go in a rapture till they're ready to go too. And no matter how, how we think we're prepared, we cannot go until every predestinated seed has reached that point of maturity that God has ordained for them. That's why we're concerned with the rest of the world. We should have been matured and ripened in the presence of the Son and got all the immaturity out of us a long time ago. But instead, now here's, here's what he was talking with the Pentecostal church who was of age. He's trying to get them to this point. I wonder, I wonder what would be said about the movement today. The tutor reporting back to the Father. Remember, the tutor is the Holy Ghost. Now, not two gods. It's just a, it's just a scenario. It's showing, using a type. Here's the Holy Spirit wooing, calling, sending word, messages, tutoring. We've been well taught. You know, gone are the days. Gone are the days of the reel-to-reel tapes. Where that you, you, you listened to those tapes and you couldn't go back and find where you, what you heard before. Gone are the days of the, of the cassette tapes. Where, you know, a library of them were, were $10,000. Unaffordable. You know, gone are the days. Listen, the message is in your hands. 
I, I like something Sister Helen said the other day to me. You know, when some were asking about, you know, uh, um, investing, you know, wondering what, what Brother Tim would think about us investing in marijuana. Nobody should have to ask me that. Seriously? You got to ask me? You don't know that? Where you been? Where you been? What's, what's on the tapes? Just listen to the tapes. Man, I shouldn't have to tell you that. You ought to know that. Amen. But oh, today, but today you know, we, we wound up, you know, the church where it should be down so far down the road. And it ain't because we don't have resources. It ain't because we don't have the teaching or the message to turn the heart. It's because the people have refused and just, just turned it into another church meeting or another, another gathering or another social event. This is not a social event. Amen. This is not another denominational gathering. This is where the body of Christ, the church, the bride meets together in heavenly places to hear the words. And to hear it say, get back in line. But instead the church, all separated and divided, arguing and fussing. Disputing over little petty differences. Unbelief, unthankful, unholy, without even natural affection, when we should be in love with the Father. This is what Brother Branham was talking about, that 40, 50-year-old church. Bring it up to date. Oh, we are arrogant and dilatory. And arguing our little religious differences. Splitting hairs and such nonsense. Our character, our fussing, fighting, making, a di- making differences, separating brotherhood. There's no fellowship among them. They're jealous of each other. I'm reading what he said. This is what, this is what God was saying of the Pentecostal church. Amen. And, and the reason why they couldn't have the rapture. I don't want this said of me. His children are separated by denominational barriers. Think about that. And you think of denomination just being um, something that's got a name and in a certain building or has got a certain headquarters. No, that ain't it. Denomination is anything, any kingdom that sets itself up against the word and you could be a one-man denomination. In fact, of the matter is, I want to just tell you, you know, you got that there are those that are indicted that was not in denomination because Brother Brandon said, I indict this generation. And he said, the denominations and many of the independents. Ones, ones who would say, I'm not a denomination, brother, praise God. We know we believe the message, okay? Well, then, what is all this separation? I mean, what is all this splitting hairs? What is all this perverse teaching around? You know, at first, at first, you know, when the message came, it corrected false doctrines. But unconverted men using their gifts have taken the very message and perverted for the purpose of kingdom building. Amen. 
They're even teaching perverse things that the days of miracles is past. Now, can you imagine, Tim, can you imagine perverse things that got taught? Only Brother Branham could pray for the sick. Oh, you're not to have prayer lines. Oh, we're not to sing, only believe. You know, because that's Brother Branham's song. Oh, all these other ideas that came along, which were, which were barriers and fences and denominational movements. Men putting up walls. Amen. Perverse things. Are you with me? That the days of miracles are past. Well, they better not be past. We need miracles in this church this morning. We need divine healing, but we also need soul healing, which is even a greater divine healing. Amen. Oh, he said, how they made accepting man-made doctrine instead of the Bible. The truth perverted right to them, and they turned their backs, and, or the, excuse me, the truth presented right to them, and they turned their backs and walk away from it. There you are, because their organization don't believe it, and they know it's the Word of God, and no other scripture in the Bible but that. If, if it's truly the Word of God, it'll be from Genesis to Revelation, it'll be the same thing. So, so he says they built a tower that they thought that their organization could draw the whole world to them. What about these towers that men have built that if you don't come here, you're not going to make it? What, what about these towers if you're not on my hookup? I think you better be on a hookup. You better be hooked up with Christ. Amen. And the Holy Spirit flowing down through your life. That's the hookup you need to be on. Amen. But, you, but again, you know, they built themselves a tower that they thought through their organization they could draw the whole world to them. The truth presented right to them and they turned their backs and walk away from it. There you are because their organization don't believe it. Your children can't even agree with one another long enough to have a meeting. And isn't that the truth? You can have a meeting like we had the other day, you know, where men of God would, would become and preach under anointed. And believers that claim to believe the same message wouldn't dare even gather in the same building with you. How in the world is that going to come to adoption? How in that world are, are they, you know, how in the world will, will this kind of immaturity get us anywhere? Ecclesiastical walls. Petty differences. We're broke up as bad as any of them. That's, this is what I'm saying. Let me just say it. We're broke up as bad as any of them. Camp fellowship. We got these one man or two man organizations, which are just as bad as one that numbers in the thousands. Amen. Littered around every message church in every, in every, in every community. There's little groups that refuse to fellowship and support a work of God. I wonder what's going to be one day when you have to give an account. When you have to stand before God and explain why. Amen. Men, you know, I think about it kind of like this, you know, with people with their own little ideas. You know, there was a man one time that they say was discovered on an island. He had been all shipwrecked at sea for years and years and years and thought he would never be found. And finally, one day, he was discovered on this island. So they were looking around to see how he had sustained himself. 
And so he was showing them the different huts that he had. And he said, here's my house where I live. All right. That's wonderful. Well, you got three buildings here. What's that one over there? Oh, that's my church. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's where I go to worship right there. That's my church. I built that church for worship. And they said, well, what's that other building? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> and that's about the way it is. Can't get along with yourselves. So self-centered. Come on, where's this maturity that we're going to need for a rapture? Amen. We, we separate over songs and over music and over Christmas and over fellowship halls. And, you know, we use quotes for reasons not, oh, not to fellowship and divide rather than to bring us together. Amen. Why Brother Branham said when, he, when Satan gets someone failing to, to operate with the church, someone failing and pulling off and getting indifferent, that's a cancer in the church. It's a devil in that person. That's right. And it causes the whole church to be sick over it. The best thing to do is have a, a spiritual operation. Amen. Listen, listen, I, I don't want to call anybody shuck. And I don't want anybody to be shuck. In fact, I, as I say, if, if that's where you are in your experience, come on up. You, you know, in the plant, it can't change to, from being a shuck to a, a grain. But you can. Amen. You, if, if that's where you're at, because there is a separation that is going on in this day, but it isn't the grain that's pulling away. It's the shuck pulling away from the grain. And when you see the pulling away and, and uh, the perverse teaching, you can see it ain't nothing but shuck. And like I said, you know, I'm not condemning you if you're shuck. Come on up. You don't have to remain there. Amen. As Brother Brandon would say in Thurston for Life, the pleasure of a Christian is serving the Lord at the house of the Lord. You don't have to sign no cards. You can't open the door quick enough. And what he's referring to that, he said he had a pastor friend who was having trouble getting people to come to church. Now, you know, we used to didn't have that problem. But in Message Church, I, I'm, I'm now, by default, a senior pastor in the message. So these young kid, kids, these young men call me and say, Brother Tim, you know, what, what to do? I can't get people to come to church. So they won't come on Wednesday night and half of them are gone on Sunday. And, and you know, they're, they're out, you know, with Laodicea. You know, one's got, uh, one's got this to do and another's got that to do. And they're pleasure mad and crazy. We can hardly even have church. Now, ain't that a shame? Used to, that's what we pointed back to denomination and said. Amen. It used to be them all the time out on cruises and hunting trips and this and that and the other and missing the house of God. But anymore is right here in the message. Amen. Well, go ahead. You can remember to bring your rotten tomatoes to next Sunday. You forgot them this morning. You need them. Amen. The pleasure, you know, it ought not be. It ought not be. It ought not be that movies have come back in the church. 
I'm talking about in the homes. It ought not be that we're feeding on this vomit of the world. When we got a message and we're told, eat that book. So he was talking about cards. He said, another pastor said to him, I can't get my people to come to church. So he said, now, he says, you know, I I get them to come on Christmas, or I get them to come on Easter, rather, and I wish them Merry Christmas, because I won't see them till next Easter. So he said, I've got to wear it. And he said, "Uh, you know, lately, he said, I've come up with something that I've started mailing out to all my people. For them to check on their card and mail back to me that they would try to attend a couple of Sundays out of, out of the month. And so Brother Branham said, you know, he said to Brother Branham, he said, well, what are you doing for yours? He says, um, he said, you got a big crowd that's been coming on Wednesday night. And, you know, you've got people there and for prayer meeting and Sunday and they're packed out. What, what are you doing? He said, oh, I give them pills. He said, pills? What kind of pills? He said, gospels. We get them so in love with Jesus, they can't stay away. He said, the brother and sisters hug each other and cry. Or the sisters hug the sister and brother to brother. And they cry on each other's shoulder. Crying, uh, you know, that they, it's going to be so long before they meet together again. Amen. But then, you know, and you can remember when that fervency was in the church. And God bless you, some of you, I know you're, it's still there. You're driving hour to church and you, you're, you're here faithful and I'm not knocking you and I'm not knocking anybody. I'm talking about the spiritual environment that is going on in this last day of the Laodicea spirit that wants to take over the body. And if the members love one another, instead of just put a little clicks and pulling away from the church, if you love one another so much, it just hurts your heart until you get together again. That's the way it should be. Amen. Amen. You know, God, God is going to have an elect people. He's going to somehow or another get a bride out of this mess. I don't know how he's going to do it, but there's somebody going to come to maturity. There's somebody going to walk down the middle of the road. And Brother Brandon would say, and this goes back to Timothy's sermon, Wednesday night, great sermon. God's able of these stones to rise children to Abraham. God's able to heal an opossum or fish or anything. If he will bring his message forth and the people won't believe it, God can raise up a possum to believe it. Hallelujah. God can raise a dead fish. He can raise a dead opossum. He can do anything he wants to. But what a rebuke to this generation when they stumble over it and fuss about it and said, you didn't do this and didn't do that. And God sent a simple animal in. I wonder one day when we, when some of us get there, if a little opossum won't be a witness against us. He can't, the opossum came to the prophet of God. The opossum came for healing. Come on. And many of the church members, uh, you know, they got, they're too busy to do something else. You know, let me just ask the question. 
What are men accomplishing with these little cliques? What are you you doing? Are you accomplishing anything for the kingdom of God? Just want to ask you. In your little clique, one or two, three, four, or maybe little family group or whatever, how many souls are you baptizing? How many are getting filled with the Holy Ghost? What kind of mission outreach are you having? So then, is what you're doing fulfilling the Great Commission? Is it sending the gospel out to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people? Is it accomplishing that? Well, I tell you, if it ain't accomplishing that, I would get out of that clique and find something with life in it. It's got to have the power of God moving in it. Amen. Brother, we've got to come together where there is healing, where there is miracles, where there are souls saved, where there are people baptized, where the gospel is preached, where missions are sent out. It's got to be alive. But oh, we pull away because sermon ain't just the way we like it or church order isn't done a certain way or the song service and choice of song ain't our taste. Brother Branham said in Rejected King, the Holy Spirit wants us to have no fences, no boundary lines. He wants us to be one in him. We are children, brothers. God doesn't separate his children. I'll give them one, we'll give this one cornbread and beans and the other ice cream and pie. He doesn't do that. He doesn't let this one starve to death and the other. He feeds them all at the same table. The Holy Spirit should lead the church. Amen. I wouldn't sit in a place where I was starving. Amen. Come to the fountain. Come to a place. Find somewhere. God's got to have somebody somewhere. Amen. But they don't want it that way. They want the king. They want to be like the rest of the world. When the Pentecostal church, the Holy Spirit first fell 50 something years ago, if they just would have let it alone and let God add to the church daily as what would be saved, it would have been like the apost- it was in the apostolic age. But we had to draw fences. We had to be like the rest of them. We, if the Methodist is a denomination, we must be. And here, somebody come along. Jesus is coming on a white cloud. No, he's coming on a white horse. Well, all right, we'll just separate. And get me a group and you get a group. And what difference, what difference does it make? He said, he's coming anyhow. It doesn't matter how he's coming, the thing of it is, are you ready to go with him when he comes? That's the main thing. Don't matter how he comes, what form he comes in, let's just be ready to go. But they split hairs on little bitty things and form another organization. And that's just the way the world did it. So then he goes on to say how they're making fun of your people that's been called out and filled with the Holy Ghost. They don't believe in the supernatural anymore. These are the Tudor's report about a church that he's trying to get to maturity. Amen. They, they, they're making fun of your people that's been called out and filled with the Spirit. They don't believe in the supernatural anymore. Oh, listen, Brother Branham would say to that in the message respect. Sometimes, you know, we ought to just go and just listen to some of these sermons. Respects. How you ought to respect. He said, even maybe you don't think it's exactly right, respect it. 
you don't exactly agree with it. You think it's a little wrong. He said, respect it. And God, in the, in the same way, will respect you in return. Amen. So he said, when we receive the Holy Ghost, it's not shaking hands with your pastor. Receiving the Holy Ghost is receiving Christ into you because he's God's messenger for the day. The Holy Ghost is God's messenger and we must respect him. When he comes, don't say, he, 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 look at that woman shouting there and crying and tears run, running up uh, down her cheeks. Look at that man there shaking his hands and trembling and crying. You know what that is? That's a bunch of worked up emotion. Listen, you're blaspheming the Holy Ghost. You've got to respect that. I wonder how many have blasphemed. Seeing God move and seeing God work and, and seeing the supernatural come down. Amen. But because it wasn't to a song you approved of or you didn't like this or you didn't like that or you didn't like how long the preacher preached and you thought it should, you wind up making fun of the whole thing and, and blaspheming and calling it of the devil. Listen, the Holy Ghost is not a sensation. The Holy Ghost, it is the Spirit of God in action in you. And that Holy Spirit in action will cause you to keep the Word of God. Amen. It's, not, it's a life. It's not an emotion. It's not a, a fleshly evidence. But it's the person, Jesus Christ, the Word of God established in your heart to quicken every word of this age. So you see, it's got to be an action. He said, not so much in demonstrations, but in action. Amen. Amen. So, again, we, we have a restored truth. We have the restored truth of the new birth. You, you remember Jesus originally uh, used that term. It was, it was his first doctrine that he preached. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, he said, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. This is Jesus' first doctrine. So the new birth that was taught by Jesus can only come by true repentance, made public by water baptism, which is an outward confession of an inward happening, and then by receiving the Holy Spirit. This is why he says in verse 5 when he explains it, because Nicodemus wondered, how can this be? So he said in verse 5, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus would, when he would say this, it was, a, it was promise, till yet a promise for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given. And the Holy Spirit would not come until a future date on the day of Pentecost. Amen. When the Spirit of God would be poured out for the first time on all flesh. Yeah, I, I understand. You know, there were men in the Bible that were called filled with the Spirit who were anointed by the Holy Ghost. But deity could not come tabernacle man until the change of a nature come. And until that old nature was killed and wiped out, the deity of Christ could not come into him. So it could anoint men of the Old Testament, but to be truly filled as in the term of the New Testament, it was impossible until Calvary. And when Jesus died on the cross, amen, his spirit, his life, as the nature came back to dwell in man again.
Remember the blood of Old Testament could not remit sin. Are you with me? It could not prepare a man. He could, there was, as Brother Branham said, there was only one birth under the Old Testament. So therefore you had to be born in the lineage of Abraham. Because there's only one birth. But he said in the new birth, that's not true. We have another birth now that breeds out all the call. Hallelujah. Now, so again, you see, he would say in John 7, 38, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So again, if you believe on him, as the scripture says to believe on him, then when there's that true faith on the inside, when there's a reality of a living God, then out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And Jesus told his disciples, you remember, to wait in Jerusalem until they receive this promise from the Father. Let's look in Luke chapter 24, 49. Amen. I've got just a little further to go. In fact, I've got a lot further to go, but I don't know how far on this highway we'll get today. I wish we'd get to glory. Amen. Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, that means wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now they had believed on the Lord. They had even been, they had even went through works of sanctification. But they needed that power. The power for what? To live an overcoming victorious life. Now what they had before Pentecost did not bring conversion. Because in Luke twenty two thirty one, 31, he said, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you his wheat. But I prayed for you, Luke twenty two thirty two, 32, that you, thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Amen. So, you know, here was Peter, a liar. He was Peter, a, a, a betrayer himself, uh, one, one who would, would deny the Lord. Somebody with me? Curse. But he needed something that would hold him in an hour of trial. And he didn't have it. Amen. Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted... Because this is the fruit of Jesus' prayer. i got to get this one to Pentecost. Because if I don't get him to Pentecost, he will have a life of failure all the time. Even though he believes on me and he confesses me in Savior, he needs that endowment of power to give him an overcoming life. Amen. When you are converted, strengthen your brother. God hiding himself in simplicity. Jesus told Peter, the night of the betrayal, he was already saved. Now after you're converted, strengthen your brethren. That's right. You accepted Christ as your Savior, but when you're converted is when you're really changed. That's right. And he wasn't changed yet. He cursed before the Lord. He denied him and everything. But after his conversion, um, after thou art converted, strengthen your brethren. Is that right? That's what the scripture says. 
That makes it right. Jesus told Peter that followed him, cast out devils, done miracles, everything. You're not converted yet. But after you're converted, then strengthen your brethren. There was not a new birth until Jesus himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then from that Holy Spirit, there he himself there gave it on the day of Pentecost for man to receive of the Spirit of God. It was impossible before that time. Now in Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. You know how you're a witness? A guy's not a witness that said, well, I have a friend that said I, he saw that, ac- that accident out there. You're not a witness. Your friend is the witness. You're not the witness. In order to be a witness, it had to happen to you. It had to be your experience. And that's exactly what it is. You cannot have mama's experience, daddy's experience, pastor's experience. You must have your own experience. Are you with me? Amen. So, so again, um, you shall be witnesses. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire as it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now this is the way it was. This is what everybody knew was the new birth. Amen. You had to have all three elements of it. You had to have the water, the blood, and the spirit. Amen. You had to be justified. In other words, you had to make a profession of faith and say, I believe Christ is my Savior. And in that day, to profess Christ meant you you could be crucified. Amen. You could be under terrible persecution. Today, it's a popular thing to say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus too. I accept him as Savior. It's more than that. It's more than a mental conception. Amen. It is, it is a repentance, a turning around and receiving the Spirit of God into your life. That's the new birth. Water, blood, and Spirit. Amen. Notice um, during, during the dark ages, the truth of the new birth become lost. And the new birth becomes only, uh, comes only by being baptized. And, uh, the, the true new birth comes only by being baptized, filled, sealed with the Holy Ghost. But during the ages, this truth was gradually lost. And God then restored it back again, one step at a time. The Catholic Church would start out saying, uh, in order to, to be born into a Catholic family, um, you know, it makes you automatically a Christian. And being baptized as an infant into the church was all that's necessary for salvation. Early Baptist believers realized the need for a person to be baptized as an adult. And so they, they were called rebaptizers. And, and, and uh, these rebaptizers became born again when they were baptized after making a, a public confession of Jesus as Savior by baptism with immersion. So to the Baptist, born again meant making a public confession. Martin Luther, you know, brought about a reformation, declaring faith as the method of being justified or declared righteous by God. He brought it away that doing penance 
crawling on your hands and knees and praying and saying, Hail Marys, that that would not save you. Works would not do it. You're justified by faith. You're declared righteous by faith. By simply believing you receive Christ as your personal Savior. And then, then again, you know, it, it goes on. The, the, the Methodists come along and, and they said, well, you know, that's true. But you've got to live a holy life too. And so something's got to happen to you for this holiness to come. And after you have believed on Christ, they actually called it the second blessing. But again, it was not the new birth as Jesus taught it. Then Pentecost come along and they said in the Azusa Street, well, you got to speak in tongues like today on the day of Pentecost. And many of them spoke in other tongues. And they said, this is a new birth. And it wasn't. It was receiving a gift of the Spirit and not the Spirit himself. And they would get overjoyed and speak in tongues and shout and jump and still cheat on their, on their wife or their husband. Are you with me? Now, I don't mean all of them. There were godly people in all of these movements. Are you with me? But many of them did speak in tongues just like they said and couldn't live right. Why? It wasn't the Holy Ghost. It was a gift of the Spirit. Amen. But the message of Malachi 4. Is somebody with me now? Amen. This message is to turn the heart. Amen. To bring the people back to the original faith. Amen. To the original new birth. Now, here we come right now. You know, the Baptist said, well, like, you know, like maybe some of them on the day of Pentecost. Well, we waited so many days now and ain't we waited long enough? I, I believe, uh, I believe we're, we're just accepted by faith. But no, he said, you know, one of the, one of the others, ah, wait a minute. It ain't no accepting by faith. He said we would get power. The Holy Ghost would come and it ain't come. Let's wait a little longer. Amen. And so, so again, Brother Branham said, when you seek the Holy Ghost, you do the same. Amen. Yeah, you wait a little longer. Amen. Until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Until you're dead to sin. He said, you can't accept it by faith. You have to accept Christ by faith. That's exactly right. And you accept the Holy Ghost by faith. But then let the Holy Spirit come and give the circumcision as a witness that he has accepted your faith. Amen. So he said, we must wait on the Holy Spirit. Is somebody with me now? Until it's done something. How long? Until it's done something. Not necessarily because we spoke in tongues, not because we danced, not because we got emotional or we shouted, but until we are changed. Until something actually happens. He said, I don't care what form it comes in, just so it happens. That's the main thing. And my people, people are looking for something. They, oh, well, will I speak in tongues? Will I shout? Will I dance? Well, well, will I have this chill? Or will I have this sensation? Or, you know, I just believe, I'm just going to believe I got it. No, wait until it's done something. Until your life is changed. So you're a new creature in Christ. And if your life has been changed, well, then rejoice in that. 
Amen. Quit whining and pouting and worrying and, and fearing. If your life has been changed and your heart is set on Calvary and you're there in the middle of the road, quit the whining and the crying and, and the worrying and the fear and believe that God has done what he said. Amen. When he, the person, the immortal spirit of Christ comes, your personal savior, and changes you and throws your views. Here's what you want. Your views straight into Calvary to this word. Then something's happened. Something has happened. No one will have to tell you about it. You'll know when it happens. It is an emotion, though emotion accompanies it. It is a sensation, though it is sensational. Now, here again, remember, we started out the Holy Ghost without the, the mystery of the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost without sensation. Now, watch this, and this is a sixth seal. Some months later now in the seals. Here all it is. It isn't emotion. Let's get it straight. What the Holy Ghost is not. It is not a shout. It is not a jump. Let's go to the other side. It's not even an education into the message. It's not a profession of faith. The Holy Ghost is not that. The Holy Ghost is not tongues. That's a gift from the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not a holy dance. You can dance and dance in the spirit, the real spirit, and still not have the Holy Ghost. It is not a sensation, but it is sensational. It is not an emotion, but it has emotion with it. You cannot get it and not know it. Now, you might be taught wrong and, you know, therefore be confused, but you can't, you can't have it and something not have happened to you. Here again, it is in the seal book. I didn't finish it. Here all it is. It is an emotion, though emotion accompanies it. Just like I said, smoking, drinking isn't sin. It's the attribute of sin. It shows you don't believe. But when you truly believe in your heart and you know that on the basis of where you're sitting there, you accept it with all your heart, something's going to happen right there. It's going to happen. Then you can stand as a witness to it that something happened. Amen. It happens in every kind of different forms. As Brother Ben said, I don't care how you get it. Just as long as you get it. You say, well, I want a sign, Brother Tim. Well, you will believe the word. Amen. And you will come subject to it. It'll cause an action in you, and it'll bring your body subject to the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me preach. Amen. It'll make you agree with the word. Amen. Now, again, you know, the, the Methodist said, when we shouted, we had it. But they didn't. The Nazarene said, they lived holy, 
They had it, but they didn't. The Pentecostal said we speak in tongues. We got it, but they didn't. God unfolded himself, not in sensations. That's sensations yet with it. You see the place? He just gets it so humble till anybody can see it. If you, if you don't try to put, inject your own mind to it and your own thoughts, it's God. So you see, God unfolded himself, not in a sensation, but in sensations with it. Now, what is a sensation? A feeling. Something happens. I've been touched by deity. Well, I got it and didn't know it. Well, you mean you got it and it didn't change you? You, you got it and, and was the same person all the time and just pretend you got it? No, you got it. If you got it, it changed you. And that's what you want to look for in your life. Not how high you jump at the altar. Not how much you speak in other tongues. And you ought to want to speak in tongues. Paul said so. Paul said, I would that you all spoke in tongues rather that you prophesied. Amen. Forbid not speaking in tongues. You ought to desire spiritual gifts. Amen. But listen, even though that should be your desire, that is, your gift is not, is, is not your evidence. The evidence you're looking for is you're walking down this road, calling from both sides. Not fanatic, not legal, balanced. Are you with me now? Brother Branham said in World Falling Apart in 63, you people standing here, now look, don't you rely upon some emotion, although it has emotions with it. You see, we come to the point where that the church goes all the way to extreme. Well, we just accept the message and believe it. Well, no, that's just being able to read. The token's got to be on display. The life of Christ has to be on display. If it ain't on display in your life, you ain't got it. The blood hadn't been shed. It hadn't been applied for you. All right? Now, so again, he's, he, tells, he tells us in the deceived church by the world, the reason people go on and join organizations, substitute a handshake instead of the new birth, they're wanting to bypass the new birth. They don't want the new birth, and they know we teach it in the Bible, so they want to substitute something for it. And the Pentecostal people are just as bad trying to substitute something. They want it in class. It must be so classy. We shake hands and join the church and be sprinkled and baptized or something. They're afraid of the new birth. And I believe sometimes, I sometimes believe the Branham Tabernacle is getting afraid of it. Now, we know what a birth is. I don't care where it is or whereabouts. It's a mess. If a baby's born on a shuck pile on a hard floor in a pink decorated hospital room, it's a mess. Anyway, a birth of a calf, birth of anything is a mess. And the new birth is nothing less than a mess. But people get so starchy. We'll go over here where they shake hands. We'll go over here where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out. You don't want to be too, we want to, you want to be too human. What we need is birth dying out to bring forth spiritual, bring forth life. 
Now, you see, now this is unchanged. You come all the way down to birth pains. In 1965, this whole thought is unchanged. He said a baby, if it's just born by stillbirth, no sound, no emotion, that's a dead baby. And that's what's the matter with the church today, the system. We got too many stillborn children. And I'm going to say it again. This is why we have had fallen away around the message. People walking back out in the world to to, to sin, to smoking, drinking, or denomination, or whatever else. Why? Because too many stillborn babies in the church. They didn't come all the way to Calvary. They didn't come all the way to where the breath of God came in there. Brother Brandon said, what they need is a gospel spanking. Amen. Like a baby when it's born. If it doesn't breathe, the doctor shakes it, spanks it, does something. Try to get it breathing. Amen. The old-fashioned doctor would just give it, he would call it a protoplasma stimulation, posterior stimulation. And he'd get that baby there to move and, and respond and react and crying out. Amen. He said he'll cry out in an unknown language. Amen. Whatever. We can't have stillborn children. He would go right on to the place and, 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 and listen, if you think this is, is not a problem in message churches today, you are, you are mistaken. Amen. We've, we found out we have had a nest full of rotten eggs. And we've made them deacons and trustees and preachers and everything else and gave them position and everything else. And we found out that they were never with the mate. Amen. So therefore, they're a nest full of rotten egg. And now then, they're bursting and causing their stink everywhere. Spread around the internet and everywhere else. A stink in the churches. Separation and problems everywhere. Why? Because people didn't get with the mate. They didn't receive that germ of life on the inside of them. And it produced a hybrid Christian. A hybrid product. That every little disease that comes along, they catch it. Every little spiritual disease that comes along, they, they're affected by it. Pulled over here and there. Unstable. But a genuine, original plant does not have to be sprayed. Bugs won't get on it. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's that hothouse plant, he said, that you have to, have to spray. He said, what? You need as an old, as an original old digging out and tearing down. Amen. As I said last night, clean out the nest and start over again. That's right. You can make deacons out of them and everything else, but it'll never do no good. Pat them on the back and call them brother. But until they're born again of the Spirit of God, they're just a nest full of rotten eggs and it'll never hatch. We need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he said, I don't mean a dry handshake. Amen. In other words, I don't need just somebody. I believe the message. We need a dying out. We need an old-fashioned birth. Amen. Where sin becomes dead and mid as midnight. Amen. Now, so again, remember, it's, it's neither side. Scholarly or emotional, it's the middle of the road. Amen. Some, some will get right there and, and, and not ever make the middle of the road. But the middle of the road is a sane, sensible, 
born again, spirit-led, endowed church of the living God, going straight down the road to Christ. The real one coming from the both sides. One went one way, one went the other. Shows fanaticism, either scholarly, too stiff to bow. And they know more about the word than they know about the author. To know the word is not life, but to know him is life. To know him, you don't have to be a scholar. You have to be a submitted person. Amen. Now, just in case you're wondering... Brother Branham felt like it was safer to err on the fanatical side than it was on the scholarly, stiff, starchy side. Where 90% of message churches happen to be falling off today. You don't think so? Brother Brandon talked about it. He said, I'm more of afraid of a person that's afraid than I am the person that is a fanatic. Oh my, I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all. Sure I would. I'd rather be around a fire that's popping and jumping anytime if the world's cold than to be around an iceberg. Don't paint a fire. You, get, you can't get warm by painting fire. you got to have some real fire. So many of us would paint a fire. You know, this is what happened 40 years ago. Brother, we got to have that same fire right here in our church. We can talk about the pillar of fire in Brother Brandon's meeting. The pillar of fire better be in this meeting. Amen. It ought to be leading the church today. Moving among the people. Healing the sick. Casting out devils. Bringing people to Christ. You say, well, I'm afraid I'll get a little fanatic. Brother Branham's word, I'd rather have a little fanaticism than to be still and do nothing. I sure would. Said, I was preaching one night. A woman got to screaming and shouting. Said, a Baptist brother told me the next day I was enjoying your message, Billy. Until that woman got to screaming. Said, you know what? It made chills run down my back. He said, brother, you're living the quietest world you'll ever live in. If you go to hell, there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. If you go to heaven, there's going to be screaming and shouting all the time. Why, man, he said, that made chills run down your back. What will it do when you get to heaven? Why, you'll freeze to death when you get there. And you'll be so out of place. Amen. We, we ought to be in here the way we would be in heaven. We ought to worship here like they do in heaven. We ought to sing here like they sing in heaven. We ought to dance and shout like they do in heaven. Hallelujah. He said, God is an object of worship. And he said, heaven, you'd be so out of, pl- out of place for even angels with their wings over their face and hands over their feet and, and over their face and are singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, holy, holy, holy. You think it was a quiet, holy, holy, holy? No, it was screaming until the post of the temple were moved by the power of their voice. Oh, I tell you, it ought to be in the church of God where there's such a scream goes out from the church that the post moved, the people moved, the stubborn hearts moved, the everything is moved by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, that's where it ought to be. Amen. Oh, God is...
is an object of worship. God is worshiped. Worship. Oh, now listen to this and get rebuked by it. Amen. If anything I honor the Pentecostal people for is to let loose and worship God. The only, listen what he said. The, the, if anything, if anything, if for any reason I honor the Pentecostal people for is to let loose and worship God. What about that, you backslidden message people today that don't know how to turn loose and worship the living God? Amen. Your God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he deserves your worship, and he deserves your praise. Hallelujah. Your, your prophet said the reason... The reason people don't believe in shouting but will scream at a ball game is because we've been taught such things and been kept away from the glorious presence of the Lord Jesus that gives them that satisfying portion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It ought to make the joy bells roll down on the inside. Amen. To know We've been called to worship. Amen. Brother Brandon would talk about the nightingale. He said, I heard an old nightingale would sing outside my window. And he said, uh, he would just sing to the top of his voice at night. And he said, I got to reading upon him. And he said, the reason, when I, as I studied him, Said the nightingale, when he sings, he looks around and he sees one star. And as long as he can see one star, it could be a dark, cloudy, dismal night. But a nightingale will start singing if he can just see one star. He will sing at the top of his voice. Why, he said. He knows the sun is shining somewhere and shining on that star. So he sings, oh my, he said, if I can hear one good old-fashioned amen, if I can hear something take place, I can sing to the top of my voice to know that Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. As long as the light is moving, as long as we can see a star. And he said, oh, I think, so let God let me sometimes when the, the billows of darkness are rolling over. Sometimes when the revival seems like all they want is to be formal and ungodly. And, but he said, once in a while, I can hear a good old-fashioned amen. Glory to God. And I said, glory to God. The sun is shining somewhere. Hallelujah. What makes a real believer shout? Amen. They caught a glimpse of the sun. Hallelujah. And the, and the sun is shining on and they can see there's a light in the evening time. That it's not all darkness, but it's a time of light. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I feel like everything I've done is background. It's time to preach. 
Amen. It's time to preach. It's time to declare. Amen. He said, when I can hear a good old hearty amen, and once in a while, a hallelujah, or somebody jump up and scream and cry a little bit, I know the sun is shining somewhere. Well, he said, it gives you a real good feeling. Hallelujah. I'm starting to get a real good feeling because the light is beginning to shine out of the darkness. We're the people who claim to be in the inner veil, in the holiest of holies. Brother Brandon says, here he said, I know you think we're an awful noisy bunch. Well, brother, I can prove to you if it, if there ain't noisy, then there ain't no God there. Oh, my. Take that, some of you morgues out there. I mean, if there's any life in there, you ought to listen to that. I can prove to you if it ain't noisy, then there ain't no God there. Listen to Old Testament when Aaron anointed with the rose of Sharon and when he had the anointing oil that run down his beard to the hems of his garment. He'd taken that sacrifice and went in the holiest of holies. When he went beyond the curtain across the, the, the garment, he had a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell. So they hit together. And when he walked, it played out holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. He said, that's the anointed church moving into the holies of holies. And look here, brother, the reason they did that, and that's the only way they could tell he was alive, talking about the priest. They listened to hear if there was any noise. And if there was no noise, he was dead. And that's what's today a church that's born again, going into the holies of holies, anointed with God's pomegranate bell. Yes, sir, you know they're alive. I don't know what about you, but I don't want to become a morgue with our temperature down 40 below zero and pump full of, of some kind of embalming fluid, of some kind of, of, of something that will keep you deader than what you already are. Amen. But no, I want the power of God with life in it, with the joy of the Lord that becomes our strength. Some of them said, well, Brother Branham, it's emotional. Well, I can scientifically prove to you anything without emotion is dead. So if your religion hasn't got any emotion, bury the thing. That's right. Because it's no good. It's dead. Amen. Now, these are the works of Christ that will live in you. Not, not a sensation, but the works of Christ. He said, again, greater than Solomon. There's something about the working of the Holy Spirit that always stirs up a move. It brings the emotional part of the people out. Amen. Again, he said last evening when I seen those people coming around from the balconies and around weeping, standing around the altar, accepting Christ their Savior, I'll tell you, there's something emotional when the Holy Spirit sweeps out over across an audience, see their face light up with some kind of radiance that this world can never produce nothing like it. 
to see a little housewoman with a little checkered dress on, so bashful, she couldn't meet the insurance man at the door and stand and sing the praises of God. It's emotional. God moves in that, and it stirs up an interest. Amen. Oh, he talks about when you're born again, there's an enthusiasm with that birth that sets the soul afire. You think that changed? Well, in the Easter seal, he said, I think we must never lose our enthusiasm. Amen. And again, again, I want to, re- I want to read one more quote to you before we try to find a, a place to stop here. But in Pommel Worm, Locust and Caterpillar, where Brother Branham talks about them eating, the bugs eating off the, the leaves and the bark and everything, and God promised a restoration. He says, I say this, my beloved people. Listen to me, I'll stand with you someday in the day of judgment. I have to answer. I'll never answer to a creed. So help me God, I'll answer to the Bible. That's the book I'll stand by. There is no place in the Bible. Is everybody, everybody hook up with me? You're listening real close? Tied in right now? There is no place in the Bible where they ever receive the Holy Ghost without having emotion. Speaking with tongues and shoutings and praises of God and prophecies and manifestation, they never did just walk up and shake hands with the preacher and walk away. There's no place in the Bible like that. Amen. You see, the Holy Ghost gives you an assurance. Now look, we're dismissing Wednesday night, so let me grab a little bit of that time there. Barring Wednesday night. Hey man, this is a Thanksgiving banquet right here. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost, he comes with much assurance. And that proves your election. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians 1 and 4. I want to go through some scriptures because Brother Brandon said there's no place in the Bible. So there's no place in the Bible for any doctrine that says you can have the Holy Ghost and not know it. So therefore, it's without feeling, no way you could know it. There's no place in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. Knowing, beloved, brethren, beloved, your election of God. First of all, you can know your election. How do you know your election? Well, I tell you, my mom and dad told me that because I believe the message, you know, that I'm predestinated and because and, and, only predestination can receive this. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. Here's how you know your election. It's no, because we received the gospel, there's not just a lecture, a word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in what? Much assurance. So the Holy Ghost comes with much assurance. Not something you guess at, wonder about. Now, if you go to comparing your experience with somebody else, that's not wise. God works with you as an individual. 
Don't compare your experience. Just, experience. just compare your life with the Bible. Does it make you in love with Jesus? Does it make you want to keep his word? Do you want to serve him with all your heart? Amen. Are you leaving sin behind? Does it convict you, convince you of sin? Does it lead you and guide you into all truth? All right. So does it remind you of things that he said? In other words, when you look at sin, you're reminded what the word said. All right. So this is much assurance. Let's go to, to, to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Now let's just see. No place in the Bible. And let's just look. No place in the Bible except that they, they knew. So, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses both unto me, both in Jerusalem, to Judea, to, to the uttermost part of the, the earth. Acts 2 and verse 4. And when they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, not only did they know that they had taken this new wine, but everybody else knew. Right? Acts 4 and verse 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So again, something happened. It was an experience. Let's look down in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. This is, this is um, um, at the house of Cornelius. When the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized of the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now something happened so phenomenal that there was this soothsayer named Simon in verse 18 when he saw that by, through the laying on the, hand, the apostle's hand, the Holy Ghost was given, he, gave, he offered them money. So he saw some results. He saw something happen. Wasn't a guesswork. Something had happened. Amen. Now, let's go down to Philip. In, uh, in the, um, the eunuch, Acts 8, 39. And when they had come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him nor, no more, and he went away rejoicing. Now here he's baptizing him in water. Amen. And the Spirit of God picks Philip up and transforms him to another place. Miles away. And he's found preaching somewhere else. But the eunuch sees this. Come on. And he went his way rejoicing. So something happened. Phenomena was taking place. Supernatural was going on. Let's go to Acts chapter 9 and verse 17. And uh, well, let's just go to 18 to save time. Immediately... This is Saul being prayed for, the apostle Paul, when he was blinded by, by on the road to Damascus and, and sent to Ananias. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and he rose and was baptized. Something happened. <laughs> Acts 10 44, house of Cornelia. Finally getting to it. When Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell 
on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So they actually heard them magnifying God in other languages. Now, I don't really care what language you speak in. It ought to cause your life to glorify Jesus Christ. That's the whole point. Amen. Now, again, Acts eleven fifteen, Peter recounts, I began to speak on them. The Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. So he points right back to Acts 2. What happened there happened here. Amen. So what happened in Acts 2? Here come a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. And men, the, the cloven tongues of fire come down on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Something happened. So nobody got it without knowing it. Amen. Verse 8. God which knoweth the heart, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did to us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Here comes Acts chapter 19. Here Paul is going down to some disciples of John the Baptist, and they ain't even heard that there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost. And he preached, asked them, how were you baptized? So, well, we were we were baptized under John's baptism. And he said, well, you got to take on the name of the one crucified to be baptized in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, it shows you this. When they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. So, you know, I want to point out to you, in, in, in all of these occasions, it did not say they spoke with tongues. That's just one of the manifestations of the same Holy Ghost. Are you with me? But in several of the cases, they did speak in other languages. And so that, can, that is also something the Holy Ghost does. But tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It's a gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, again, so we, we come right back down. The sensation, Brother Brandon said, I don't care about sensation. I won't thus saith the Lord. I believe in a heartfelt religion. I believe in the joy that I can know. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in divine healing. I believe in all the manifestations of the gifts, but they must be reverent. And so on. And then he said, don't try to get a sensation that it take place of the Holy Ghost. See the other extreme. Neither do you just come with a cold intellectual conception of Christ and never open up your heart to him. There again, you know, this, this, is, this is where we are. Two sides that people are falling off of. They think, well, I spoke in tongues and I got it. And they don't, don't have a changed life. You got on the other side, well, I believe the message. I believe in Christ is my Savior and don't have a changed life. We want a changed life. The middle of the road. Amen. Now, in that middle of the road, there's joy. There's shouting. There's the Holy Ghost. There's the power of God and the salvation. And listen, it is not a sensation, but it is an experience. It's a happening. Something happened.
happens. It's not an imagination. It's not something that happens in your mind. It's something happens. Christ comes and he changes you. And when he does, it's better felt than told. Because you can't tell how it feels. Amen. You know what has happened to you and you know your life has changed. Amen. Now, you shall know. John 14, 20. At that day, ye shall know that I'm in my Father and me and you and you and me. In 1 John 2 and 3, hereby we do know that we know him. See? So you can know. Amen. This, this again, he speaks about it in 1 John uh, 2, 28. He said, little children, abide in him. It's not a coming and a going. It's not a leaving him. It's staying. It's abiding in him. When he comes, he abides with you forever. Amen. He'll never leave you or forsake you. In, in 1 John 3 and 1, beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not, beloved. Now we are the sons of God, yet it doesn't appear what we shall be. But we know that, listen, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone that has this hope purifies himself, even as he's pure. Amen. In 1 John three fourteen, we know. We have passed from death into life. Why? Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Verse 18 said, My little children, let us not love in word, neither tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby we know we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So, you know, how do we love our brothers? Do we do it by hugs and warm embraces? Uh, You know, proper affection is always needed. But how do we love one another? We love one another by walking with God. By producing an example for others to follow. By mentoring some of these fatherless boys, fatherless girls. By not casting a stumbling block in some other other person's way. Well, I could live, I could do that, yeah. But are you casting a stumbling block? Amen. By giving a helping hand. By encouraging our youth and our elderly for the, and those that are weak in faith. That's how we should express love for the brethren. All of this is a part of a Christian walk. It's not one thing. But we want one thing so we can say we got it. And now that we got it, then we can just get back in ease and Zion. It is a walk with God and as you walk with God you call from both sides and you're neither fanatic neither are you just intellectual but you're walking down the middle of the road you get in the word of God you hear what it says and then you apply it correctly and scripturally and then you love your brother enough to let God do that with him the way he did it with you in God's time. Do you love him this morning? Amen. Let's walk down the King's Highway. Let's stand together. Walking down the King's Highway. My load is brighter. 
My load is lighter, rather. My, my, my way gets brighter, walking up the king's highway. There's joy in knowing with him I'm going. Amen. Let's lay aside every weight, every sin, all unbelief. Let's, don't walk either side. Don't let yourself get over here fanatical, legalistic on, the other, on one side, judgmental of everybody else. Well, they don't do. And I tell you, let God do something. Why don't you just be a Christian and let God be God? And when you see something you don't quite agree with, maybe I wouldn't agree, then take it before the Lord in prayer. Say, Lord, we want a mature church. Help us with these things, Lord. Give us wisdom in these things. Give us knowledge. Love him with all your heart. There's going to be a rapture. It's going to happen in spite of ourselves. His word declares it. The thing about it is you want to be ready. You want that maturity in your life. Maybe we can just bow our heads just for a moment. Yeah, I know. I know sometimes things get a little lengthy, but we have to have some time sometimes just to lay some of these things out. And I've had these for months, trying to get to these places, studying, preparing, crying out to God, Lord, let me deliver it in the right way. Give the people a here and here. Lord, I know you want a church that's without spot or wrinkle. Maybe you've been a little dilatory. Maybe you've been one side too much or one side this other way. You don't have a balanced Christian walk. And you would say, Lord, today, I don't want to walk the edges no more. I found out that's the danger zone and so many have shipwrecked. Look at the crosses and the names along the way and the memorials to those who fell off into oblivion. Some thought, oh, they could abandon holiness. They didn't have to listen to what the prophets said. They, they, they got their own views. I wonder if you got the view that came from the Spirit of God, the angel of God. What about you? What about, is there balance in your life? What about the extreme, the parenting, the husband-wife relationship? As I said, the parenting. You let your children act different ways and don't treat them and, and tutor them. You say, well, I, I, you know, I don't want to inhibit their little spirit. Oh, well, you better. You better bring it in check. Because a child that goes unchecked winds up in, in jail and prison and, and in all kinds of extremism. When you see your children misbehaving, you see them misbehaving in church and distracting in church, have enough Holy Ghost about you to bring your children in order and worship. Teach them how to worship right. Be a mature people. In all things, honor him. I just where, wherever the Holy Spirit 
just directs the word to your heart. Maybe it's your... Remember, your attitude toward Christ is shown in what you do. And it's going to have a real effect on your children. And that has to do with church attendance, tithe paying, any, any part. It's an attitude toward Christ. And that's going to have an effect on your children. Don't you want to have a family that's ready to meet God? Don't you want to be in love with Jesus? You know, I, I'm, I'm not just... Sometimes you preach and you very, very, seem very, very hard and legalistic. I'm not that way. I, I know grace is what takes the favor of God, but let's don't take it over either to extreme and to some kind of greasy grace where that sin is accepted and, and we just think the favor of God will cover it up. Why don't you let your life change in His presence? Would there be someone here today that just want to move toward God? Just where you're at in your seat. Not asking you to come down for prayer. There's a time for that. And even, even there, you know, you shouldn't come down here to the altar every time for prayer. Some people do it habitually over and over again. You can't, can't cast the net without somebody getting in it. Don't do that. Find some balance. Learn how to pray yourself. Be, be grown up. Sure, I, I don't want to inhibit you from coming for prayer. There's time you need to come for prayer. Right there where you are, be a real Christian. Surrender that life to Christ. Put an, get an anchor down in Christ. Get in the middle of the road. Find a balance for your life. Ask him. I want to live the way he wants me to live. I want to be the kind of Christian. I want this church to be a Holy Ghost church. I want the power of God to move in it. I just tell you, this song Brother Andrew led us in, it so moves my heart. Come back home, children. Come back to the homeland. Get in the center of his will. Get in a place where God can bless you. Get in a place where you can just bathe down. He's gathered his people. Let him gather you. Let him gather you there. Let him gather you into his presence. Where you find a home in the Word of God, in the homeland, in the Holy Ghost, in the sweetness of the Holy Spirit just emanates out of your life. You get so in love with Jesus. All the world just goes to Him and you just can't see nothing but Jesus. You're so in love with Him. Oh no, I'm not, don't miss my mistake. I'm not some hard-cutting man. I have to say some things sometimes that are really sometimes cutting and hard. I'm trying to get you back in the middle of the road. What about you and your walk with Jesus? 
Is it where it's supposed to be? Is it where it's supposed to be? Maybe, maybe you're on the highway, but you walk too close to one edge or the other. It causes you to have feelings toward others. Disfellowship and causes you to not respond properly to the Word of God. That warm sweetness of the Holy Ghost is not yours. It's just a cold, just a cold something far away. And God's so far away from you. He wants to be close. He wants to tender your heart this morning. Some of you just need to get on the highway. Will you just ask him wherever you are in your life this morning? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and change me in your presence. Bring that balance in my life, that sweetness of the Holy Ghost. To realize mercy rewrote my life. Rather me be so concerned, I'm so pleased with how everything goes. Let me be concerned about mercy right in somebody else's life, changing them. Let me not be selfish. Let me put my fire together with others that others can know him. Amen. Maybe just a little move toward God. That's all you need this morning, just to have that breakthrough. You just want to raise a hand toward God and say, Jesus, I need you. I really need you. I really need you. God bless you. God sees you. God sees you. He hears the faintest heart cry. He knows just how to touch your heart. Just one moment, he can change you. Make you something real. Take all the fake out of you. Play in church. Hypocrisy. Make something real out of you. You're not just pretending. But the reality of Christ is living in my life. That it's not just a gift of the Spirit of God, but it's the person of Christ living in me, working in my life. Father, you call whomsoever you will. You said, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. May every person, Lord, reach out to you today. Your arm's not too short. You can't reach them. You can reach them today, Lord. I pray you'll reach every heart and every life. Speak to every soul in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Before I leave the pulpit this morning, I want Brother EJ to come down here. We're going to pray with him. Man, Brother EJ has given his heart to the Lord and He's going through a difficult time in his life. He needs Jesus. Man, he's wanting to follow him all the way. As a young boy, he was baptized in a little Pentecostal church somewhere. But he wants to do everything right. He wants to find this balance. He wants to find that reality of Christ.
He's had a lot of knocks along the road. You know, this is, this is one of our, our state's policemen. It's in our, one of our cities. Need to pray for our policemen. They put their lives on the line all the time. I wish I could see every one of them find a place at an altar like this. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'd like to see every doctor, every lawyer get it. Whatever walk of life they are, there's nothing like His Spirit in your life. Amen. Brother EJ has come. He wants to give his heart to God completely. Makes him make a full surrender. Wants to obey Him in water baptism. Follow Him all the way. Where He leads, He can follow. Dealing with a lot of pain in his heart, trouble. But the Lord Jesus is a God who can come right down to a troubled nature, to a troubled life. He knows, he knows the things we suffer and what we go through. And today we're going to lay hands upon him and pray with him before he goes to the water. That as we baptize him with water, that God will fill him with the Holy Ghost. This young man right here. I'm looking out at you. This is one of your sons. This is one of your daughters. This is one of your husbands. One of your children is going to stand here right one day, right at this place. You know why? He's calling for them to come home. Amen. I met this boy's mother many, many years ago when I was just a teenager, just a brief moment of time. And today, he's just had a little touch, a little touch of the message that stirred his heart. But today, he wants to follow all the way. I want you to pray with me like this was your son right here at this altar. Because one day, your son's going to be here. One day your daughter's going to stand right here. One day they're going to come home. Amen. You can't stay out there, Matt. You have to come home. Amen. God knows the Spirit bids come. Who the Father draws, He's drawing. Father, in the name of Jesus today, Lord, here's a little heart that you've touched is a few days ago reaching out wanting to come to church Lord he's had a lot of trouble along the way and the enemies fought him in every way the devil is a cruel taskmaster he's a thief he comes to rob and to kill and destroy but Jesus you came that we might have life and life more abundantly Lord, you can save them, whether they're policemen, whether they're firemen, whether they're teachers, politicians, whatever the walk of life they come from. You're God who can reach further down and what we can look up. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. 
It was you that said, he that comes to me, I will no wise cast out. Lord, we're asking in the name of Jesus that every sin will be washed away by the blood of the Lamb. That the Holy Spirit will just do a work within him. Cleanse him by the Holy Ghost. Let the fire, the coal off off of the altar come and touch this heart and life today. And he be purified in your presence. I ask it in the name of Jesus. That he can walk up from here to walk in the newness of life. A new creature in Christ. The old days passed away and behold all things become new. I ask it in the name of Jesus. For the glory of God you do it Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Just go with Brother Darrell right there. Praise the Lord.